3: There might be some things that I've been taught the way I should believe. and some ways I've been thinking for a really long time. But actually, let's sit in silence and ask God, hey, God, what do you think? Let's listen to our neighbor, particularly our neighbor that is different than us, that brother or sister that you may not know, or even uh, uh, that neighbor who you might not know. But try to listen to see what is it they're saying, and particularly listen um, with your heart.
1: Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. I'm Paul Perot from Faith Radio. Gabe will join us later in the show. As you hear every week at the start of the show, Q exists to help you stay curious, to think well, and to advance good. Another way of looking at that is to be an active part of reversing the effects of the fall, to help people become who they should be in Christ, for us to be restorers. How does that apply to racism and the damage it has caused not only to individuals, but to communities, indeed, to our nation? What does it mean as a Christian to be a restorer in this context? Well, last week, Gabe started a conversation with David Bailey from the organization Erebon. Dave and Erebon seek to help create dialogue across ethnic and cultural divides to bring unity and repair not just to our fractured nation, but also to the church here in America. Earlier this summer, Gabe and Dave hosted a two-hour online special called Q Sessions Race and Repair. You can still watch the entire session for free at qideas.org sessions. In it, Gabe and Dave talk with others who have thought long and hard about what does repair from the ravages of racism look like? And how is the church uniquely gifted and called to provide the restoration? Last week, we heard David Bailey's talk during the session, and then a conversation Gabe had in studio with David about how we as Christians need to lean in and have the tough conversations and then act as restorers. We didn't have time to hear the full conversation last week, so that's where we pick up this time.
2: This event that we did together, Race and Repair, which we've just received such great feedback on, um, because... Number one, you helped me put it together and helped us as we processed together, like, what what do we need to hear here? What are the stories we need to hear? What are the stories of hope, you know, and how we're going to move forward? But also uh, co-hosted with me, and that was just a fun experience, first time we've done that together. And I'm wondering, as you were hearing some of those talks, as as I was for the first time, what were some things that stood out to you? What were the things that you just thought, man, that was impactful? And for those who might be listening and maybe they haven't heard one of these talks, you would say, hey, I'd go back and listen to this one and that one. Because for me, those were those were really unique and, and helpful for the moment that we're in.
3: You know, I think, oh, man, I got three. So one is I think Anthony's is really great because Anthony spells out like, how did we get here? you know, particularly folks like, man, we made so much progress in the last 50 years. And, and you got to think about where we started 50 years ago. Like, it was okay to stick dogs and water holes on people. Like, you know, like that's a pretty low bar, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, having to be able to be like, here are the things over the last 50, and what happened 50 years ago is that we changed the laws and those laws kind of created a culture where it's not okay to be overtly racist. But what Anthony did a great job of doing is, helping to understand the economic and political implications and how that has created things culturally that is really key to to, that's a good foundation building block
2: well just we've talked about this before but when people understand the history and that's one of the greatest challenges right now is people not understanding what's been going on not understanding the effect of segregation or jim crow laws and You know, how these, yeah, redlining, all these different facts that are just absolute facts. But if you've never heard them, you may not understand the effect that they've had. And when people start to hear the history and they're generally good people of goodwill, right, that want to be good neighbors, that want to help, that tends to break the heart and help people start to open up and go, okay, I'm starting to understand why we are in the position that we're in. So, yeah, Anthony's talk that kicked off the event was a great nine-minute talk to give us a sense of that history. What
3: else? The second one was, I I thought Michael Emerson's talk was really, the interview, it was really more of an interview. That interview, I thought, was very helpful because, you know, particularly in theologically conservative circles, there's a lot of, um, we live in a cancel culture. There's a liberal cancel culture and there's a conservative cancel culture. And so if you say certain kind of words, then it's like, okay, then it means this. And then therefore I have the permission to shut my brain off and dismiss everything else that this person is saying. And there, there's, you know, liberals and conservatives tend to be mirrors of each other. Uh, they're just talking about different things. And here's the thing, like if you're Christian, this is the thing I'm always going to challenge you. I'm not, you know, if you're conservative Christian, progressive Christian, liberal Christian, I'm going to say the word Christian should mean something. It should mean something that's different than what uh, uh, your secular counterpart <laughs> um, of, of, of whatever, cat how you categorize yourself. And... One of the things that Michael Emerson does really, really well is like define things like critical uh, race theory and uh, even just define what some of these things are and where is it proper place. And the reason why is because if you're Christian, you got to be a discerner of truth and, and and you have to like search for truth uh, no matter where it comes from and 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 not just dismiss things because this is a trigger word. You know, and so I just felt like I can't remember all the details of the things that he talked about, but I remember that was one of the things that stood out that I thought was very helpful. he defined a lot of terms. He spent his whole career studying this stuff, and these are real evidence, research-based things that you could take to the bank.
2: Yeah, I've used his talk a lot with people who are trying to understand this term systemic racism, and there can be this debate about whether it's really systemic, whether it's just individuals, And individual sin, how does it get involved in systems? Is it really legalized or is this just sinful people working it out? And I think he helped us understand that a little bit better, give people some real tangible examples of how does this play out, even if it's driven by sin, how does it start to show up in systems and policies? And maybe, maybe it's not in the law of the land right now, but it shows up in corporate policies, behavior, things like that. And that was helpful. I think the other piece that he did talk to is critical theory. And for those following this discussion and Christians who've been you know, trying to delve into what is the solution to this? How are we going to move forward? And that's where we tried to go in this conversation with Race and Repair. He helped define better the, the idea of critical theory and specifically critical race theory and how it helps point out problems and challenges and helps us see some of the areas in which maybe people never would have awakened to that were systems and structures of oppression and people that are being oppressed, but also, you know, acknowledge that it doesn't always point us to the right solutions in the same way the gospel does. And so I thought, I thought that was a helpful articulation for people serious about trying to work through this. And you said you had a third one. What was your third one?
3: I just really appreciated both um, Don Flo and um, Paige, just folks that like, Hey, we actually are creating culture uh, and how, we're going to implement this in the things that we do. And I think there's, you know, Q has a wide audience of people who are influencers, people who are like culture makers, people that own businesses, that are entrepreneurs, people who um, have nonprofits and churches. And if you could implement these things in your practices, like go do that, you know, like, like I mean, not if you can, like make a choice to and, and follow the Lord in this. And it was good to see and hear testimonies of people who've been doing stuff for 20 plus years in this direction and so it's like hey you might be like oh man i'm late to the party now well it's like all right let's just see what if you make an intention to do this over the next two to three decades and see what what happens see what guy can do and and i I really appreciated that
2: yeah i I, and thank you for bringing don because i had not met don before but you told me his story and i'd heard it from other people but to hear him talk about the way he operates his dealership i mean it was very practical tons of employees, policies, and he realized this specific problem that Michael Emerson had pointed out earlier in the event about how uh, people are treated differently based on their gender and race when they come into a car dealership. And it's ultimately a black woman that ends up getting the worst deal at a car dealership. And so he he restructured the way in which they were going to make a difference there and they were going to change that within their dealership culture. And it's helped them grow their business and people trust them more. And so it was a great example of, how these policies can start to play out, become part of normal behavior, but you have to confront them. You have to challenge them. You have to see them and you have to do it creatively and, and there's ways to do it. And I think right now, that's what people are wanting. What do we do? How do I, how do I take the thing I'm stewarding, the thing I'm leading? How do we make sure that that we're moving in the right direction in this long marathon uh, that you pointed out just in conclusion, David, you know, I think people are going to go back and watch the event and and better listen to these 10 different talks and, and, uh, they got a little taste of it hearing yours, but what, what are you having some hope about right now? Cause I, I know in your position, you're a leader who have people like myself that you've been mentoring. You've been helping think through their organizations, their colleges, their institutions, their at every level, like how they can do better, how they can be better, which can tend to make you tired. Right. I mean, cause you're, you're pouring out a lot right now, but I know this is your calling and as you've been doing that these last six weeks when the intensity has really pushed up, where are you seeing some, some hope? Where are you seeing some light in this discussion? Because I think if we just were to listen to news media and take in some sources, we would go, well, this isn't getting any better. There's more division coming more frustration, but I want to hear from you. Where are you seeing some hope?
3: Well, um, I do this stuff, like you mentioned, um, whether the news cycles is happening or not, you know, and we started back in 2008. So one of the things, the practices that I do in order to um, do this in a sustained way is I uh, don't spend a lot of time looking at media sources. <laughs> like, I don't spend a lot of time on social media. I don't spend a lot of time checking out the news. You know, particularly like, quote, quote, news really isn't news anymore. It's 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 entertainment with some information, but it's really it's a business trying to cultivate a particular uh, people group and worldview. And so I I find myself like just trying to get out the fray. And it's not that I'm actually not informed. I mean, anything that I hear about or I might see read a headline, I actually go and I try to read more deeply. So anything that happened today, it just didn't happen today. It it was years in the making. Right. Or, or there's a longer story to it. So I try to read deeply about those things. And, um, But I find that my soul is a lot healthier and my view of humanity is a lot better uh, when I don't spend time on the media. So I, one, want to give people some advice on that. So I I tend to be a little more hopeful because I'm not in this kind of like omniscient type of understanding of what all is going on in the world and and it tends to be all of what bad is going on in the world. Um, My other hope is the fact that this is like just the tone of the conversation, the type of people who are interested in having this conversation and trying to do something beyond like, let's talk about it and like feel good about ourselves. Like people actually trying to move towards action that I think is, is hopeful. Like Rush Limbaugh went on the breakfast club. You know, if you know who Rush Limbaugh is, you probably don't know what the breakfast club is. <laughs> yeah. You know who breakfast club is. You probably don't know who <laughs> Rush Limbaugh is. Right. And, and, and like, you know, the breakfast club is the number one radio station uh, led by black and brown millennials. And, um, you know, Rush Limbaugh is a, you know, a biggest, probably biggest radio personality uh conservative radio personality he went on to apologize and and show empathy for George Floyd and so the hope was he actually went to do that the challenge was when he got on there he didn't want to question some of his own biases and and it was really it was hard for them to have a conversation so i guess my third piece of hope is this is that like it broke down because folks weren't willing to kind of look at the speck in their own eye. Right. And I think my hope is is not necessarily even in Christians per se, but hope in the kingdom of God and Christians living out the gospel in this area. And one of the key things when you live out the gospel is, is that if there's anything wrong, like I could point something out wrong to you and you could do the same thing with me, but God says, Hey, do some self-examination first. And that puts us, like, leads us to like the Holy Spirit to be able to do some work, to be able to help us to see things that we wouldn't normally see, take the speck out of our own eye before we try to take the plank out of our own eye before we try to get the speck of somebody else's eye. And when we take the plank out of our own eye, we get a chance to see some things that might be blinding us. And so I really do have hope in the Holy Spirit um, in this this moment that the Spirit is actually bringing the proper conviction that's helping us to see the things that we need to see, um, that, that the one of the things that Jesus spent a lot of time doing was healing blindness and healing leprosy. And so, you know, I can't remember who I picked up the pick hearing blindness from, but like it gives you eyes to see things you wouldn't normally see. But Alexia Salvatierra talks about healing um, from leprosy. The disease of leprosy, it numbs your feeling. And and one of the things that she points out, she says that the the numbing your feelings, your senses, you end up the danger in that is is that when something is painful you end up hitting it, you bleed, and you end up like having different parts of the body that end up suffering and and breaking up. And she says, like, in the body of Christ in America, we've been dealing with the disease of leprosy, and there are parts of our body that are hurting, and we don't have uh, uh, the, the feelings to realize that folks are suffering in other parts of the body of Christ. And I think this is what... Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, it's helped us to feel. And when we feel something, God has given these gifts to help us to get our attention, to say, okay, what should we do about this? Because we have members of our body that are hurting. So I I have hope in what the Lord is doing in that area. Well,
2: David, thank you. I think this advice, so personal, so specific to how we look inward and we repent and we confess, As we move forward towards any type of reformation and restoring and repair combined with your talk that just gave us some really practical examples of how Andy did that in your life, how each of us can think long term about this is just going to help a lot of people. So thank you so much for your investment for since 2008 in this conversation. And I appreciate the way in which you've led and you've led Erebon and you've helped so many more people and leaders start to awaken to all the ways in which we as Christians in the church have a specific obligation in this area, maybe more so than other people, to be a part of making peace and healing.
3: So thank you. Likewise, bro. Glad to be on this um, podcast.
1: This is Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Gabe joining us now, and that was a great conversation you had with David Bailey of Aragon. What I've always loved about
2: David and our friendship is his patience. Someone in his position doesn't always have to show this kind of patience, but he's had such willingness and long-suffering, really, to work through some of these tough topics, some of these areas in which many people have just been ignorant to better understand, and I just love that God's called him to that, and I think you can hear that when you hear him talk.
1: Definitely, and if you've been provoked to dig deeper into this topic about race and repair, head over to QIdeas.org and take time to watch the entire two-hour Q session on race and repair. It's free, and really, Gabe... I think we'd agree, watching these talks is best if you don't do it alone.
2: This is a perfect time for you to gather your family, your friends, maybe it's your small group, and come together and watch these 10 talks in a row. I mean, it's two straight hours of David and I walking people through this conversation on race, and if you're new to the conversation, or maybe you care uh, deeply about it, but you don't know what the way forward is, and you're confused about how we as Christians should approach this, this is going to give you confidence to know how to move forward. We had people like Latasha Morrison, best-selling New York Times author, Michael Emerson, as he said, who wrote this book called Divided by Faith that so many people have read, Trillian Newball, Duke Kwan, Greg Thompson, and so many more that were helping us start to see the way forward. So you can learn more about this and watch it for free. This costs you nothing at qideas.org slash sessions.
1: Gabe, since we still have time on today's show, let's take a few minutes to hear some more segments from Q Sessions Race and Repair. First up, let's listen to a portion of uh, talk from Duke Kwan. Now, Gabe just mentioned Duke. Duke is a lead pastor of a large multi-ethnic congregation in the nation's capital called Grace DC. Now, he's been on Q Ideas before talking about church reparations, and while some may cringe back at that word as he talked again with us earlier this summer on the Q Sessions webcast, to repair and restore is a key part of the mission of the church.
0: For Christians, we're not less, but rather more morally bound to restoring what's been taken to our, from our African-American neighbors, not less, but more, because listen, the government doesn't bear the name of Christ. The church does. The government doesn't identify itself as the embodiment of the kingdom of God. That's the church's claim. The government hasn't committed itself really to the renewal of the whole world by God's design. That's the church's mission and calling. And so actually what we need to grapple with is our responsibility to restore, not just from the perspective of our culpability, but also from the perspective of our calling. You know what, Gabe? There's actually more to reparations from a Christian perspective than the ethics of restitution alone. And you know what it is? Jesus told a story about a man who got robbed. He was beaten, robbed, and left for dead on a roadside. And some religious people came by and ignored him and crossed the street and walked on by on the other side. But then along came another one, a Samaritan, it turns out who crossing social, cultural barriers and expectations proceeded to love, to restore, to give sacrificially out of what he had, to restore this man's dignity, to restore this robbed man's wealth, to give out of himself and to love in a way that no one else was willing to love. Reparations for the Christian boils down to this, the love of neighbor. It is simply what we have been called to do in this world, and it is actually incredibly pedantic for us only to try to do the arithmetic of whether or not I I am, by virtue of my descendants, uh, my ancestry, uh, responsible for this and that. Look, we're called to lay it all down.
1: Again, that was Duquan speaking of being a restorer in the face of racism. Let's get a sample of another conversation from Q Sessions Race and Repair. This time, David Bailey from Arabon talking with businessman Don Flo of the Flo Automotive Company. Now, Don and his relationship with his employees model a restorative approach. A key part of that comes from Don taking an active interest in all aspects of the business and the people who work in it. Long before he took over the family business, he purposed to work every position in the company Company from janitor up he wanted to know the needs of each position and each person and from that vantage point he reformed his business to work for the benefit of all the employees those
4: things allowed me to touch and feel the realities the concreteness of life not to abstract business, but to say, how is value created? What is life like? And that's been a very important part of kind of shaping what it means to say, if I'm in this space that God's given me, what does it look like to think redemptively in that space? And then particularly to say, what does it mean to kind of live love? And so uh, out of that really developed during that period, kind of a, what I would call, a, for me anyway, a theology of vocation that I call exercise faith live, love and bring hope. And I tried to just live that amongst that daily work.
3: I love that. Like, I love the fact that like, you know, from being a janitor to being an auto mechanic and to, to being a secretary, all I meant to being in charge of finance and just ultimately becoming the CEO, you practice incarnation. Philippians 2 talks about Jesus, you know, right. uh, uh, being God kind of came down yeah. and embodied. And oftentimes, um, particularly in faith and work conversations, there's this conversation of bringing change institutional and cultural change by right. staying up top and not right. actually incarnation and going low. Yep. And, and it just yep. seems like what's happened as a result is by you kind of engaging and practicing incarnation like Jesus, that there's empathy that you've developed. And so could you yep. share a little bit how like that empathy has affected your bottom line and even your, your business practice uh, um, and you're, you're kind of successful. So it seems like it's working.
4: <laughs> so, so it's, let's say it's, it's radically affected us at kind of a structural level, kind of animating what we try to do, and then at a deeply personal level. So kind of a structural level, we have what we call three foundational commitments, covenant with our customer, community with one another, and commitment to the common good of our cities. So everything we do is framed by those three things, how we engage customers done in a different way internally in, in terms of what we call the members of our company using Paul's language of knit together. So we do things like uh, every employee's child we, we pay for them to go to college in a whole company and have for 15-20 years because we know that education is that step out. We have uh, two nurses on staff and a counselor full-time for family counseling. So employees can go to, have nothing to do with us. Uh, employee emergency fund and this idea of like engaging in communities for individuals, we, we pay for anybody to go volunteer in their community during the year, up to 40 hours a year. We pay them while they volunteer because we want them to be informed citizens, to be able to contribute to their communities. And so many times, if you're an hourly worker, you know, executives always get to go volunteer, but hourly workers don't get to. We said that's not right. They should have the same opportunity to engage their lives in their community. So, and I would say at a deeply personal level, like we're going through this right now in COVID-19. So we are having uh, meetings with every, all 17 of our employees we have to say, okay, your life is a complex world right now. You've got dual incomes, you've got kids at home, you've got people at risk right now. Tell us what you're able to do. Tell us in terms of what you're actually able to uh, come to work, what are the hours you can work, and we're going to figure this out together. We don't know how long we can do this, but for the next 30, 60, 90, 120 days, we want to work together on this as a community working our way through
1: this. Again, that was businessman Don Flo, just one of the many speakers on the Q Sessions Race and Repair webcast from earlier this summer. And Gabe, our listeners can still watch it, as well as enjoy all the offerings of the Q Media platform by signing up now at qideas.org.
2: We're giving you a 30-day free trial. So when you go to qideas.org slash sessions, register, sign up for that free 30 day trial, it won't only give you access to this entire 10 talk, two hour session, but you'll also get access to so many of our talks, our podcast, exclusive content, films, short films, all the content designed for a thoughtful Christian who wants to lead their family well, the people in their church or small group well, and just wants to have a better understanding of our times and to know what to do. Q Media is the place for you. And so get that 30-day free trial, check this out, and then stay on with us. Continue to be a part of this community. I hope you'll share this podcast with your friends. Feel free to leave us a review and continue growing with us as we all try to seek to be the types of people that are renewing and restoring our culture with the help of God. Hope you have a wonderful week.
1: Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons is made possible in partnership with Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Thanks again for listening. Thank you for listening to the Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make your gift now at MyFaithRadio.com.